Okay, so 30A, four lines down, Amar Rav Papa. Rav Papa tells us like this, Soha b'mekayma asr l'kris kriyashma. If you have soya, if you have a excrement in the place in which it has come out, it is forbidden to read kriyashma. The Gemara now asks, hey, dummy, what's the circumstances? Even niris, if it is clear and it is a nice uh, chunk that is still sitting on your, uh, you know, on your tochas, then obviously you can't say kriyashma. Shita, if you cannot see it right from the outside, what do you want us to do, right? You know, there's only so much that one could do to make sure that they're perfectly clean. And especially before they invent the cottonelles and they're using pebbles, how clean can you possibly be? So if you can't see it, how could that possibly be a reason that you can't say Shema? When, you're, when, they, when they are sitting, then it is then it cannot be seen. But when they are standing, it would, I'm sorry, the opposite. When they're standing, it, it is not able to be seen. But when they are sitting, it would be able to be seen. The more now asks, what difference does this differentiate between this and regular excrement on your flesh? As we stated previously, if somebody has excrement on their flesh, or if their hands are in a bathroom, Huna says you are allowed to say Kriyashma. It is forbidden to read Shema. So the Gemara is saying basically over there was Machlekes. So we hear it seems to be a Dara Pashat that there's no Machlekes. Everybody agrees. What's the difference where, where the excrement is found? If it's on your body, it should be a problem. In the place where it actually is, where it comes out from, it's considered that more Zuhama. Zuhama is like the concept of uh, grossness, right? It's not as much as Zuhama, and therefore it's not going to forbid to say Shema. We learned in a price. You have a lach like this. The suuda when someone is eating the meal. If somebody has to get up and go to wash to, to urinate in the middle of the meal, you need to wash the hands, the hand that was um, the hand that actually might have gotten touched by by the urine. and then you go in to eat. Let's say you're speaking to your friend and you stay away from the table for a while. Then you have to wash both hands. The nichtas, then you come back in. And when you wash your hands, do not wash your hands outside of the room. The yikanes, and then come in. Out of a concern that perhaps people will think that you did not wash your hands after going to the bathroom, and they'll get they'll get grossed out. They're not going to want to sit at the table and eat with you, right? They did not have a serving fork in those days. You get my drift. So rather, so you should do is you should go back into the room. Sit down in the place where you're supposed to sit. And wash your hands in front of everybody. And then pass this uh, the picture, pass it around to the other guests. Make it clear that we're talking about a situation where you washed your hands after using the restroom. You only said this in terms of washing your hands. Then you don't need to. Um, you're just you're just drinking. Then we say you should wash your hands. Um, you don't need to wash your hands unless you are going to be having stayed out for a long time. But if you're going to be eating food, right, and not just drinking food, then you can wash your hands even outside, and you don't have to be concerned that people will think that perhaps you didn't wash your hands. Why? They made that idea, the anina daite. Everybody knows that if someone's about to eat food, they're going to wash their hands after using the restroom. If they're going to drink something, they're drinking with a cup, you might have thought they didn't wash their hands. himself, since I, myself, am a Big mephonic. I'm very um, finicky. I'm an istinist, right? I'm very careful about it, fastidious about things that I do. Therefore, therefore, I can even wash my hands outside because everybody knows that I washed my hands. Everybody knows there's no way that I would not have washed my hands before I came in. 
Right. I actually was chazering a little bit earlier um, daf today in Yuma. And if you remember on daf chaf, uh, the Gemara tells us about the story of Shaul HaMelech. And the Gemara quotes that Shaul HaMelech was, that he was one years old at the time that he became the king. And the Gemara first says that the reason why you see is not one years old when he became a king is as a hint to the fact that he was as free of sin as a one-year-old. And a Amora then suggested perhaps when we say he was one years old, we mean he was one years old, like a little baby who's covered in excrement, right? And dirt, right? To which um, the, he has that dream at night and Shal comes to him in the dream, right? Guess who that Amora was? It was Nachum Yitzchak, who himself was a very fastidious person. It's interesting that that's how he would take it, that this is somebody who was covered in excrement like a baby. You cannot go into the Azara to the courtyard for the sake of doing service. Even if you are in a state of Tahara, until you have gone to the mikvah. The Kain Gadol would go, he would go to the mikvah five times and he would wash his hands and feet ten times on Yom Kippur. And every time he would go to the mikvah and wash, he would be on the base of Parva in the holy part and the on top of the parva. Chutz mizu, except for the very first one that we mentioned in the previous mission that he does in the ground that is still outside the base of and not considered to be a holy ground, but rather non-sacred ground. They would spread a, a sheet made out of linen in between him and the other people. They asked Ben Zema, why do you have to go to the mikvah before you do service? I'm going to let me say to them, if someone changes from one holy place to another holy place, referring to the Kain Gadol, right? The Kain Gadol, when he's doing the different services on Yom Kippur, he's going around in the different holier places of the base of Mikdash. It's changing from a place where it would be Kares if you had gone in without while in a state of Toma. Right? And to another place in which it would be curious if you went in while in a state of Tama, Ta and Tvila, and still it requires a mikvah and immersion between each and every change. Someone goes from mundane ground, non sacred ground, into holy ground. And from a place which does not have a, uh, if you had gone in while in a state of Tama, would not involve Kares, to a place where if you went in in a Makam Tama, it would involve Kares, right? If you're going from non-sacred ground to sacred ground, where if you went in a state of Toma, you would have to get Kares. Has it not been obvious that it's going to require Tvila? So Ben Zayma seems to indicate that this is some sort of a Din de Arisa, right? That you would need, it would require doing a immersion between the walking into the base of for the first time for the sake of doing a service. It requires immersion because the same way we find the Kaigadol requires immersion in between different services. So too, everybody requires. Rabbi Huda says a different reason. This is not a tefillah that is required on a Torah level. This immersion is required only on a rabbinic level. The reason is so that he will remember if he has an older tuma that is in his hands. In other words, it will help jog his memory as to whether or not he's currently in a state of ritual impurity, the yifresh, and then he'll recognize that he can't go with this. So the, the tefillah itself is not going to serve a purpose other than as a method of helping him remember that he's tummy. Umar now asks, what's this machalik is dependent on? One opinion is the Raisa requires tefillah. One, one opinion is that only the Rabbanan to ensure that he doesn't forget. What's the machalik What they argue about is like this. If somebody does the Abayda, does the service without having first gone to the mikvah, does that invalidate the service? According to Ben Zayma, it's going to invalidate the service. It's not going to invalidate the service. That is the practical difference between the two opinions.
Well, Ben Zayma, I mean, is that true that according to Ben Zayma, although here says that it's required on a Torah level, is it so certain to you that it invalidates the service if he does not go to the mikvah? By the time that we learned in a bright sun. Between each um, service, I'm sorry, not between each service, but between changing garments on Yom Kippur, between the eight garments and the four garments, between one service and the other. The service at the end of the day is still holy. It is good, even though he wasn't supposed to do it without first going to the mikvah, without first washing his hands and feet, it still works. Both a kain gadol and a kain hadid, a high priest and a regular priest. However, if you didn't wash your hands and feet before you did your in the morning, then you will still be puzzled. Okay? What we see from here is that Benzema does not hold that if you don't wash your hands, if you don't go to the mikvah, that it's going to be puzzled after the fact. It's not true. If you don't go to the mikvah, it will still be kasher after the fact. So what's the difference between the two opinions? The machlekas is, is there a mitzvah's assay that he has to do that he is not going to be um, um, fulfilling if he doesn't go to the mikvah? According to Ben Zayma, it is a mitzvah's assay, it's a positive commandment to go to the mikvah. And if he doesn't, he's violated that, or he's violating, nullified a positive commandment. According to Yehuda, there is no positive commandment. And by not going to the mikvah, he did not nullify anything. There's a Yehuda have of this reasoning. Remember now is going to say that Yehuda does not have a concern that people need to go to the mikvah to remind themselves of whether or not they did something that would render them tame in the previous day. How do we know this? The Metzairah, eight days after he has already been sprinkled on, right? He's been sprinkled on day three, sprinkled on day seven. He went to the mikvah later on day seven. He became tahar at nightfall. When he's about to go into the into the base of mikdash the next day, right? So he goes and he stands, right before he goes into the base of mikdash, he goes to the mikvah one more time on day eight. Yehuda says, you do not need another tefillah. You already went to the mikvah the day before. What do we see from here? We see from here that Rabbi Yehuda does not require a mikvah immediately prior to going into the Beis HaMikdash out of, a, out of a concern that this will help remind you that you are in a state of Tumah. Rabbi Yehuda does not have this concern. The Gemara says, that's a silly question. Rabbi Yehuda would agree that if not for the fact that you went to the mikvah on day seven, indeed, you would have to go to the mikvah again on day eight. But the reason why Yehuda says you don't require going to the mikvah on day eight is because he holds you only need a mikvah on day eight if it's possible that you would have forgotten about a situation where you became Tameh. But you went to the mikvah the day before. If you went to the mikvah the day before, we're not concerned that you had some Tumah in this last uh, 12-hour period. The Gemara asked, what was the happen, you know? Why did you think that this was a valid disproof? It's a very clear answer. It's a simple answer. Really, we wanted to ask a different contradiction on Reb Yehuda. Why is it called the Lishkas HaMitzrayim, the chamber of the Mitzrayim? Because that's where the Mitzrayim would go to the mikvah on day eight. It is not just about Mitzrayim who would go to the mikvah in this chamber. So to any person who would ever go to the mikvah would always need to go, any person who would ever go to the mikvah always requires a tefillah in this chamber right before they go in. We see from the second b'risa that Rabbi Huda indeed agrees that the Mitzrayim does require a tefillah on day eight. Like Kash, that's not a question. One case is talking about when he went to the mikvah previously. One case is talking about where he didn't go to the mikvah previously. So if he went to the mikvah previously, it does not require to go into the mikvah again on day eight, according to Rabbi But you have a Mitzrayim who did not go to the mikvah on day seven, then he has to go to the mikvah on day eight. The Gemara then asks, that's not a good answer, because if he did not go to the mikvah on day seven, 
and day eight, it's not going to solve anything. He's going to need to wait until after nightfall for his going to the mikvah in the morning for that to take effect and allow him to go into the Besa Mikdash because that's the way the Tumma works. On the seventh day, he has to go to the mikvah and still wait for nightfall. But if he didn't go to the mikvah until day eight, well, then he has to wait till nightfall. Rather, both cases already went to the mikvah. He went to the mikvah on day seven. The question is, after he went to the mikvah, did he forget about the fact that he got to the mikvah? And is it possible he got distracted and might have become Tameh again or not? If the guy was lost track of what he was doing, then he if he got distracted, he needs to get sprinkled again on day three and day seven. Son of Matan says the name of Rabbi Yechanan. Hesachadas, Tarachazah, Yishvi. Hesachadas, if you get distracted, it requires doing the new sprinkling on day three and day seven. So you cannot solve the problem by saying that one Bryce is talking about where he forgot that he went to the mikvah. He wasn't thinking about the fact that he went to the mikvah the night before, then it requires another mikvah on day eight. One Bryce is talking about where he didn't forget, does not require another mikvah. That doesn't solve the problem because if he forgot what happened, he has to do the sprinkling all over again. So rather, both cases are tomorrow where you did not forget, you did not stop thinking about the fact that you need to be tar for the next day when you're going to this mikdash. The late cash is not a question. How the tabal al daspias mikdash? How the late tabal al daspias mikdash? One case, he went to the mikvah thinking to himself, "I'm going to the mikvah for the sake of rendering myself sanctified to going into this mikdash." One case, he did not. If he went to the mikvah not realizing that, then he's not going to be sanctified and not ready to go. He needs to go to the mikvah again the next morning. The other case, he went to the mikvah thinking he is going to go. And therefore, he does not need to go again the next morning. Very same, another answer. Tommy, read the brysa differently. Amend the brysa. Rabbi Yehuda actually disagrees in the second brysa as well and says that not Mitzayra. Mitzayra indeed does not require to go to the mikveh again on day eight, right before he goes to the base of mikveh, because he already went day seven. Rather, it means your standard person needs to go to the mikveh. Ravina, Ravina says, Yehuda was actually saying, according to the sages, Yehuda was saying, according to your position, you should still agree with me that you're making a mistake. According to me, Matzara does not require tefillah at all. According to you, who says that a Matzara does require tefillah, according to your reasoning that a Matzara does require tefillah, it shouldn't just be a Matzaira who requires tefillah on day eight right before going to Bessemikdash. But all people should require tefillah before they go to Bessemikdash. Matzaira, no, the difference is like this. Matzaira dies with Tumma. Matzaira has been used to being in a state of Tumma. And therefore, if he becomes Tame again, he's not even going to be thinking about it and he won't remember to go to the mikvah again. So we require him to go to the mikvah automatically. Everybody else is not in accustomed to being in a state of Tumma. And therefore, they're more conscious about it and conscientious to ensure that they don't become tummy. And therefore, we would not require going to the mikvah again. In, uh, we wouldn't require going to the mikvah before going to the mikvah, as long as they say, I know I'm not tummy since the last time I went to the mikvah. We're, we're okay with that. In Matsaira, since he is not thinking about not becoming tummy, because in a state of Matsaira, he could become tummy. He's already tummy. So therefore, he might actually forget and become tummy again after he went to the mikvah. Therefore, we require another mikvah according to the Chachamim, but not according to the Mikvah. Who disagreed with Rabbi Yehuda and said that he does require a second going to the mikvah a second time, the Mitzayra. Why did they say that? Is that because they held like Ben Zayma? Ben Zayma says that, um, that, that if you, in general, anytime somebody goes to the mikvah, anytime somebody goes to the mikvah, they need to go to the mikvah right beforehand. 
Is that why the Chachamim argue? The Hayadik Tani Metzaira. And when they taught about a Metzaira, why they taught about a Metzaira? It's not specific to Metzaira. It's anybody who goes to the Mikvah, not specifically Metzaira. So why do they say specifically in the case of Metzaira? The Hayadiyach Yehuda, to teach you the strength of Rabbi Yehuda, that Rabbi Yehuda held that even in this case, you would not need to go to the Mikvah. Or perhaps what you'd say is shani mitzayra the daish betuma. Perhaps what you'd say is the reason why they talk about a case of tuma is become mitzayra is because the, since the mitzayra is already accustomed to the tuma, perhaps over there it's going to require a special mikvah. But perhaps other people are wedded. Amale Ariyasev answers by his student shani mitzayra a mitzayra is indeed different the daish betuma because he's in a state of ritual impurity and he's used to it, so therefore he's not so conscientious to ensure he does not become tummy again, and therefore requires another mikvah going again in the morning. This tefila, this going to the mikvah, on 31a, according, according to, um, to Rabbi Yehuda, that this tefila is not a real requirement, but it's more as a means, as a heicha timtza, that you should remember that whether or not you became tameh, do we require that this tefila has to be in a state where there is no chatzitza, there's no interpositions, right? The halacha is like this. Your body and hair all have to be touching the water. If you have like, a, if you're going to the mikvah and you have something on your body that's dirty, blocking your body, that could be a problem, right? Depending on how big it is and how much it bothers you. It could be a derisa problem, only a button problem, but you're not supposed to have any chatzitzas on you, any anything separating between your body and your hair when you go to the mikvah. Well, this type of going to the mikvah that Rabbi Huda required on a rabbinic level, was he also careful to ensure that nobody has, that there's no chatzitza or did he not care? So Yasef answers, Amalek called the Tikkun Aban and Ke'in Da'araisa Tikkun. Anything that the sages enacted, they enacted on par with the way that the, the Torah enacts it, right? And there's a famous question, exactly how do we define this? Sometimes we say, anytime the sages make an enactment, they enact it on a lower level than the Torah. And sometimes we say they make it more stringent than the Torah. And sometimes we say that they make it analogous to the Torah. And that's a big question exactly when we say which one. Okay. Take care, everyone. Be well. Um, tomorrow night, I'm going to give a special class at 8 um, about, um, about Shavuos, um, if you guys want to join. And on Thursday night, we're having a special uh, JSN event. I don't know if you guys saw that email went out today. I think it was an email um, that we're having a special event at 7 o'clock Thursday night.